to the Imagine Alba podcast, bringing Scotland to you. In each episode, we explore Scotland's captivating history, celebrated myths, spectacular landscapes, and vibrant culture. Through the Imagine Alba podcast and our free online magazine, imaginealba.com, our goal is to share our love of Scotland and inspire your imagination. Whether you live here, have visited, are planning a holiday, or you simply love all things Scottish. Join us for a virtual journey across Scotland as we imagine our Hello and welcome to the Imagine Alba podcast, bringing Scotland to you. This is your host, Michelle, coming to you from beautiful Argyle. I have a bit of a head cold today, so please excuse me if my voice sounds a bit off. Today on the podcast, we celebrate Valentine's Day with a look at Scottish wedding traditions. Scotland is such a romantic country in which to get married, thanks to a plethora of gorgeous settings, whether it's a castle, a cathedral, a bucolic chapel, or against the background of a stunning landscape. Not to mention the rich and colorful wedding traditions that are still practiced today. From a groom decked out in kilted finery, to the blackening ceremony, to a Cayley that has everyone twirling and stepping into the wee hours. Because Scotland allows non-residents to have a ceremony here fairly easily, more and more couples from abroad are choosing to pay tribute to their Scottish heritage with destination weddings. Whether you dream of getting hitched in the mother country or simply want to incorporate a wee bit of Scotland into your wedding, we hope to inspire your imagination with a look at traditions as well as what you might expect at a wedding today. became engaged in Scotland, instead of or in addition to the ring, it was traditional to demonstrate their promise with a piece of jewelry called the Luckenbooth brooch. This is a love token usually made of silver and engraved or encrusted with glass or crystal beads. The shape of the brooch is two hearts intertwined with a crown on top. The crown symbolizes Mary, Queen of Scots. The brooch takes its name from the Luckenbooths, These were stands where silversmiths and jewelers sold their wares in Edinburgh. After the couple's first child is born, the brooch is pinned to the baby blanket to bring good luck to the growing family. Now that the couple is engaged, the party starts. The custom of the couple's friends throwing a big blowout for the bride and groom before the wedding is not exclusive to Scotland, of course, but here it seems they definitely crank it up a notch. The guys get a stag do, and the girls get a hen party. Many stag and hen parties are major affairs that involve a trip to a big European city. Amsterdam, Berlin, Paris, and Rome are just some of today's top destinations, along with Edinburgh and Glasgow. The guest of honor is bedecked in embarrassing accessories such as sashes and tiaras, and the marrying group heads out for a night or even a weekend of party carnage. For those who prefer to pass on the club and pub scene, spa and shopping trips are also popular. Now, for the normal bride or groom, you might expect to come out of the stag or hen party with no worse than a banging hangover. 
But in Scotland, you would be lucky not to end up tied to a lamppost and treated to the edible equivalent of a tar and feathering. Yes, we're talking about the traditional blackening ceremony. This involves kidnapping the bride and or groom, forming a noisy parade to the middle of town, binding them somewhere that everyone can watch, and then smearing them with various foodstuffs. The messier, the better. Treacle or golden syrup forms the sticky base, and then over that gets dumped whatever your mates can find in their pantries to pour over you. With friends like these, who needs enemies? And no, the victim does not usually go to his or her blackening willingly, which assures squiggling, squealing, and much hilarity for everyone else. Yes, the Scots really do know how to have a good time. Blackening is an old tradition and possibly goes back to when the wedding party would make a ruckus in order to scare away the evil fairies. Mostly, though, it's just really fun to humiliate and mildly torture your pals while the whole town laughs at them. This tradition is still alive and well in some areas of Scotland, especially in the Northeast and on the Orkney Isles, but appears to be actually gaining popularity around the world. I've seen this done to an unfortunate bride-to-be on Orkney. She was brought to the middle of Kirkwall in the back of a pickup truck. She started out struggling and trying to get away, but she eventually resigned herself to her fate when she was duct-taped to a telephone pole. She then managed to be a good sport as her girlfriends and what I'm pretty sure were her sisters roughly smeared her with treacle and dumped flour and feathers from a pillow all over her head. Lucky for her, it started raining. (laughs) My advice to the engaged out there, if you see your friends coming at you carrying what looks like they're shopping, run. time to pick out your outfit for the ceremony, it's an easy choice for the groom, even for those from the lowlands these days. Only the full Highland regalia will do for some, complete with a kilt and waistcoat. For the bride, it can be anything really, from a full white pavlova to a simple party frock. Either way, it's customary to incorporate a bit of your own clan tartan or that of the groom into your outfit. I've seen everything from gorgeous full tartan velvet gowns to a tartan sash worn around a traditional wedding dress. There's an old custom called the wedding sark. This is where the groom pays for the bride's dress and the bride pays for the groom's sark or shirt. If you ask me, the bride is getting the better part of that deal. The night before the wedding, the bride undergoes a traditional foot washing. As a sign of good fortune, the bride sits while an older, happily married woman washes and dries her feet. This is an old custom, but another one that is still practiced today. with the groom's attire? Well, let's welcome Rav to tell us what the fellows are wearing. Thanks, Michelle. Traditional Scottish wedding attire for men may appear to be quite a straightforward affair, but if you're particular about what you want 
and you need to get things just right. There are many options to consider. The modern, traditional and formal look for a Scottish wedding is a kilt outfit. This will include, of course, a kilt, which is a length of fabric worn around the waist like a skirt. But let's get this straight. It is not a skirt. The length and weight of the fabric can vary, but it can be up to nine yards of fabric, usually wool. The kilt would normally be tartan, but you don't have to go down this route. I got married in my grand's clan tartan in my lightweight summer kilt, made with five yards of fabric, but I do have a plain black winter kilt that is made with nine yards. The kilt is pleated at the back and held around the waist by belt-style buckles, and the whole ensemble is held up by a nice sturdy belt that may feature the clan crest. The front is held together with a kilt pin. Again, the options are endless, but generally the pin is shaped like a sword and a nice touch is to have your clan's crest. Worn at the front, at the waist, is something called a sporin. This is traditionally an oval-shaped purse that is made of leather with a fur lining. So, what next? Kilt socks or hose are longer than normal length socks that go up as far as the knee. They are usually thick and made of wool. There is a little accessory that goes with them called flashes. These are little extra pieces of tartan fabric fastened with elastic that hang down about two to three inches on the outside of the calf. The choice of footwear is up to you. With a hired kilt outfit, you will probably be supplied with a pair of ghillie brogues. They are distinct from ordinary shoes in that they don't have a tongue and also have very long laces that crisscross upwards around the calf. One more essential ingredient is the skiing do. This is an ornamental knife that has its handle showing out of the top of the outside of your sock. The quick translation is misleading in that in Gaelic you would think it means black knife. Skiing being the word for knife and do meaning black. The word do may also imply that the knife is hidden, as in in darkness. They are never intended as practical things now, but they would have been used for eating and for general purposes back in the day. These days though, the blades are never sharp and often cheaper versions have a wooden blade because only the handle is showing. So that's the bottom half taken care of. Now for the top. If you're hiring your outfit, you will probably be supplied with a plain white shirt. A tie will go with this, whether it's a bow tie or a standard tie. Again, often in the same tartan as your kilt. There are various styles of jacket and I'm not going to go into all of the variations, though usually with a kilt you will probably have a choice of either a Prince Charlie jacket or an Argyle jacket. The Prince Charlie jacket is the more formal and is a short cut with tails, usually worn with a bow tie. The Argyle tweed is the less formal option and is normally worn with a standard tie. Both will usually be worn with a waistcoat. 
A finishing touch would be a fly plaid. This is a tartan sash worn over the left shoulder and attached to your jacket with a cairngorm brooch or pin. The less formal and more casual tartan attire could be a full plaid instead of a kilt. This is traditionally a piece of tartan measuring 18 feet by 5 feet. This is folded into pleats and wrapped around the waist like a homemade kilt with the remaining length to go around the shoulder, again fastened with a brooch. I've never tried one of these and there is apparently quite an art into getting it right. With this, you would wear a Jacobite shirt. They afford a more comfortable fit and are distinctive by their laced v-neck. Now, the most vital question is, will you go commando, like a supposedly true Scot? This means whether you wear anything under your kilt. Of course, the choice is entirely yours, and I'm sure no one would ever know about your possible shortcomings, unless there is a stiff breeze. it's time to tie the knot. After the vows, the couple proceed to the ceremonial pinning of the tartan. This goes back to the days of the clan system when one spouse, usually the bride, would be formally welcomed into her husband's clan. A family member presented the bride with a piece of the clan tartan, a bit of material fashioned into a rosette or a sash, and fastened with a pin that bears the clan badge. You can see a photo of Rab's clan tartan, McLaughlin, his grandmother's clan, along with the badge pin that he presented to me when we got married, on the extras for this episode on our website. There's a variation of the pinning of the tartan when two clans are joining together in marriage. In this case, the couple would each wrap a piece of their own clan's tartan off their wedding outfit and tie the strips together. And this is where we get the term tying the knot. Well, now that the couple is well and truly hitched, it's time to move on to the reception. As you would guess, no Scottish celebration is complete without whiskey, and back to explain the traditional way to drink it at a wedding is Rab with the Scots Word of the Day. Hello. Today's Scots Word of the Day is quaich. It's yet another one of those lovely CH words that we love so much in Scotland. It's a ceremonial drinking vessel, and its name is basically Gaelic for cup. It's also known as the Loving Cup, or the cup of friendship. A quaich is basically a two-handled shallow cup. They have been known to be made of wood, but are most commonly found to be made of silver or pewter. As many of these traditional things are, its origins are unclear, 
but quakes are very common for traditional toasts and are given as prizes in sporting events like rugby and also bagpiping and highland dancing competitions. They also play a fine part of a traditional Scottish wedding where the bride and groom hold a handle each and take turn in drinking from it after proposing a toast to their new partner and their marriage. Here's a wedding tradition that I'd be willing to bet you won't find anywhere else in the world. In the old days, the groom would break a freshly baked piece of shortbread, that's Scotland's national cookie, over his new bride's head. If the shortbread crumbled into several pieces, uh, that meant the marriage would be fruitful. In Shetland, it was traditional to break a decorated shortbread over the bride's head as they entered their new home together. This would bring good luck and a happy marriage. Today, shortbread is often used as wedding favors, tied up in a pretty ribbon. Now that the whiskey is flowing, it's time to move on to the Kaylee. Kayleys involve traditional set dances, a bit like square or contra dancing, but on steroids. With names such as Strip the Willow, Dashing White Sergeant, and Gay Gordons, they are performed with no small amount of acrobatics. The men don't just spin the ladies, they toss them through the air like an amusement park ride. The couples don't just twirl, they actually create a dizzying centrifugal force that is exhilarating right up until the moment you think you are going to either pass out or throw up. And in the morning, if you've done it right, you are bound to have Kaylee bruises on your arms from all the gripping and holding on for dear life. It's awesome! In the old days, the wedding party would perform a dance called the Lang or Long Reel. At the end of the reception, everyone would dance out of the hall and proceed down the village, each couple reeling off to their own house, with the newlyweds finally left alone to dance into their new life together. enjoyed our exploration of Scottish wedding traditions on the Imagine Alba podcast. Have you gotten married in Scotland or incorporated Scottish traditions into your wedding? We would love to hear your stories and see the pictures. Visit imaginealba.com for extras on this episode, including photos of our own home wedding and our free online magazine with all the latest Scottish news, events, features, and in-depth articles. You can become a member for free and get access to our monthly newsletter, forums, and more. And if you can't get enough of Scotland, please consider becoming a supporter of Imagine Alba. For a minimum monthly donation, you will receive bonus content, including extra podcast episodes, videos, and more. Visit imaginealba.com for more information. 
We also invite you to subscribe to the podcast. And if you like what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps others discover us. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Michelle for the Imagine Alba podcast, bringing Scotland to you.